Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, we're excited what God is doing. Uh, it's good to be in the house. You know, we've been in the conference for a whole week. And to see your lovely faces, just want to let you know we love you dearly. We really do. We love you guys. And um, anyone that's, if you're visiting us, welcome to the family. Welcome to church. And um, church is, thank you, thank you. Church is about family. It really is. It's, we are family because we belong to the same Father in heaven. Do you know that? And um, we've got, we're in a month of um, what we call Heart for the House. And Heart for the House, if, if you haven't received one of these brochures or maybe you didn't see it or didn't pick it up, please take one. It's on the seats. It gives you an outline of what we're trusting God for the future. We thank God for our past because we've had... 28 years, you know. Um, this November, we're going to hit 29 years. So next year is 30 years. We've got to, I think we've got to chuck a celebration party for next year uh, in November. And, um, but in case you don't know, we, you know we, we obviously spent some money to deck this out and renovate this. But this is a leased building. So we're leasing it. We got downstairs and, and fixed up the children's space and everything. And it's an amazing venue, isn't it? Aren't you grateful we can come to a warm, warm building right now? Comfortable seats. Um, people sacrificed, gave to get us to where we are now. But we trust in God for something more permanent, like a home that we can call home for the next generation. So not just for us, but we're actually giving for a legacy for, the, for our children, and even our children's children, to establish um, uh, like a, 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 what do you call it when you, like a peg, stake, yeah, stake, a stake in our city. Because when you own land, it says something. Because, you know, why do we call owners of land landlords? Because the owner, the, you're servant to the owner. And so as long as we're leasing, we're always servant to those people. And, and we could be asked to leave at any point after a certain time of the lease and all those sort of things. We need to own our own property. So we're asking, again, if you're a part of our church, you call this church your home. And this is where God has called you to be family. We're trusting God for, um, we've got three levels of, of um, goals. Our faith goal is $200,000. Now, we've already, um, people have given towards this project from years ago, so we already have $350,000 in the bank account. So that's pretty good for the size church that we are, and especially when we renovated all this, we still have that money. We never used that money that people gave for the purpose of our building that stayed in the account for our future home building. And um, but we're trusting for $200,000 a faith goal, but victory goal is $300,000, and a miracle goal would be $400,000. Now, you think, how are we going to get that by all of, uh, all of us doing something? And just all we're asking you to do is do what God tells you to do. Just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what can I give? You know, anything we give to God, you never lose. When you give to God, He knows how to take care of you. He really does. That, that he, he, he refers to our giving as giving a seed. So when you give a seed, you plant it in the ground, don't you? And you plant it in the ground, it's going to produce a tree that has fruit on it. So it always comes back to you. I've seen that in my life, our life as a family. Uh, we've trained our children to live this lifestyle. Our, we've got three grown-up children, adults. They are living this lifestyle. Ezekiel's living this lifestyle. Evangeline, any, any gift they give, if they receive money from their grandparents, which they do, uh, they'll take tithe and offering. We've taught them since they were young. They have actually no problem with it. It's funny when you get taught from a child, 
the ways of God, you, you don't buck with it. But when we train the certain way, it, it can be against what we think. So, again, we're asking you, on the 28th of this month, which is two weeks away, 28th of July is when we're going to receive this miracle offering. Amen? So it's above our tithes and offering, obviously. And if we're just asking us as God's people, ask God what we can do. You'll be surprised what we could do when we put our, 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 our focus together, our faith together. And, and we're doing this for the next few years. So you think, it's not just a one thing. We're trusting God every year. We don't want to get to the end of our lease and go, ah, oh, we didn't do anything. It wouldn't be good stewards, would it? So please hear our heart. We're trying to lead us well. We're trying to think about the future and think, okay, we don't want to get to the end of our lease and go, okay, we're just where we were when we first come into this building. But if we plan well and lead well, we should be able to, we're trusting God for $2 million in our bank account to be able to buy a, a, a property. We're, that's just going to give you a deposit. Now, you might think, oh, yeah, that's, if you know the market, most of you think, oh, $2 million, that is, that's just nothing. It is nothing. This, this venue where we are now is probably worth 8 to $10 million to buy in this area. So we're, but I believe if we do what we're called to do, God will do His miracles. If we do nothing and we're not faithful stewards, we, we're trusting God to do His miracles, he, he, he anoints and blesses people that are faithful with what they've been given. So we're actually leading by example too. So, so let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit, say, God, what can we do? What can we do? Obviously, we as elders... All the pastors of this church, we all give sacrificially. We would never stand here to ask you to do something that we would not do. We first give sacrificially. That's just the way we lead. We, I, I, I stretch my wife in the way we give <laughs> since we've been married. But we challenge the leaders as well, our elders, our pastors. We say, let's sacrificially give. And they're always very generous. So we're leading by example. We would never ask you to do something we wouldn't do. So let's all get on, get on board as if the Lord's called you this place. So I'm not speaking to those, if you think, oh, I'm just visiting. That's fine. You know, visit. And if God calls you to be a part of this family, then ask the Holy Spirit. All right. Amen. Amen. Please take one of these prayerfully with your husband and wife. Uh, if you're married, talk to each other, pray together, and be in agreement in what you give. All right? Amen. Don't fight over it. All right. <laughs> All right. Have you got your Bibles? All right, I'm talking about a very important subject, and the title of my message is God Must Be First. God Must Be First. I um, tried to send this, I tried to send the scriptures, but um, if you can, when I quote the scriptures, if you can put it up on the screen, that would be great. Um, God must be first. Think about that statement. Do you think, if I was to say to you, do you believe God should be first in your life? Most of us will go, absolutely, of course. If God created us for relationship, God is so in love with you and He is so committed to you that He gave His absolute best. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. God sacrificed His Son for our well-being, for our salvation, for our forgiveness of our sins, for our setting us free, redeeming us. He, did, he gave His absolute best. That's how much He loves you. And so he owns us. Do you know that? You know God actually owns everything? So I know it's easy to say God must be first, but in reality, to live a life where, we, where he actually is first, that's when it's a bit stretching. All right? That's when it's like the rubber hits the road, so to, think, so to, so to speak. Do you know there are 500 verses in the Bible on prayer? There's 500 verses in the Bible about faith, 
and over 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possession. 2,000. Now, why is that? Is that, is that because money and possession is more important than, than prayer and faith or salvation? Of course not. But God knows what can be our God. He knows that money could become our God. He knows that the, that the love of money is a root of all evil, not, not money itself. We spoke about that last week. Money is not evil of itself. Okay? But the love of money, when, when money is your God, yes, it's a root of all kinds of evil. It will lead you astray when you go after money. That's in Timothy as well. Many have pierced themselves with many sorrows because they've gone after money and they left the faith. That's in the Bible. In, out of 38 parables, Jesus spoke about uh, 16 of them were about money and stewardship and taking care of your possessions. 16 out of 30, what did I say? 38. That's a lot. Why did Jesus do that? Because he knows what's in our hearts. So he's trying to hit the issues of our hearts. So how we handle money reveals a lot about our priorities, our loyalties, and our affection. Think about that. I'll say that again. How we handle money, how we take care of money, how we relate with money, it reveals a lot about our loyalties, our priorities, and our affection. So this subject is actually uh, very dear to God. By the end of the message, you'll go, okay, I, I, I trust I hear what you're saying. I feel actually it's more important to God than I thought it was. Because we put that aside as, oh, no, it's just, just money. I, I live my life for God, but money, don't touch my money. Don't touch my wallet. You know, it's like, hang on a sec. Money represents who you are to some degree. To some degree. Not, not, not a big deal, but to some degree. You, you and I get up. Obviously, we've been trained, educated, university, TAFE, school, education, all that, to, to get to a place that we, we were skilled in our area of expertise, and we've got a job, and we give 40, 50, 60 hours of our week to get this thing we used to call paper money. We don't think about money as paper anymore because it's so electronic, isn't it? So digital. And it's plastic anyway now, the, the dollars we've got. But, but, and the credit card and all that. Most of it, I hardly ever have cash, cash on me anymore because of the, the world we're living in. And, but you still pour your life out and it represents who you are to some degree. Your, your gifts, your ability, your talents, your skill, your time, your effort. You're waking up in the morning when you don't want to wake up in the wintertime to go to work and, and to exchange... Monetary value. So it does represent a part of our life, doesn't it? So when God says, I want you to put me first with that finances, it's like you're trusting God with some part of your life. Gifts, abilities, talents, skill. That's why it is it, it, it's an issue to some people's hearts because money can become what we, we can trust in money. That money will give me freedom. Money will give me happiness. You'd be surprised how many believers actually believe that if they find a lot of money, they'll find, they'll find happiness. If they you know, if came into a lot of money. But, that's, but the, the reality and statistics don't show us that. People that win millions of dollars in the lotto, uh, and usually in four or five years' time, they've lost all of it. They didn't know how to get it in the first place, didn't know how to keep it. And actually, it's, it caused them a lot of problems because all the no, relatives started knocking on the door. Knock, 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 knock. You won five, ten million dollars. Everyone wants their peace. And so it didn't give peace. Uh, it created turmoil. Um, I'm going to talk about the, the principle in the Bible, but it actually is a pattern that God wants us to live by. So I believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God establishes pattern so that we could express our faith to God. The biggest issue I want us to catch is faith. When we, when we give to God, we, we're releasing faith in His provision. We're trusting that God is my provider. Every time we, we bring 
something to God. Luke chapter 16, I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. Luke 16 verse 10. This is really powerful. Listen to this. The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibility. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will, will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. And that, that's the famous um, scripture that we quote. He who is faithful over the little is faithful over much. He who is unfaithful over the little that he's been given is unfaithful over much. So basically, Jesus is trying to say, when you're faithful with what you've been given, I'll trust you with more. I, I used to read that as, he who is faithful over little will one day be faithful over much. But he actually saying, he who is faithful over little, when you get that right, is, present tense, faithful over much. The promotion comes when you learn to take care of what you've been given. The little you have right now. See, oh, Leo, I, I hear what you're saying, but when I get a lot of money, I'll be giving. No, you won't. Not if you learn to give now. Like when I come into a lot of money, if I get more money, right now I'm in the need. We teach this when we travel to the poor countries of the world. So it's not teaching this because the church needs finances. This is teaching because I believe this is what set you free and sets you up for a blessing and teaches you how to live your life the way God intended you to. So to me, this is the foundation of our uh, life with God when it comes to generosity. Talking about bringing to God what belongs to Him. God must be first. So we bring in the tithe. The word tithe in the Old Testament speaks, it's 10. It actually means 10, 10%. So the thing that God asks of us is to bring the 10% to God. You know the word tithe. You know, money is more of a test of our heart than anything else. And you know the word 10 um, this is not my message, but I just want you to quickly, I've taught this a few years ago, but I want you to know, the word tithe means 10, and the, the, the word 10 in the Bible represents testing. Did you know that? The 10, 10 plagues that God tested Pharaoh's heart. The Bible says God tested Pharaoh and he gave him 10 plagues. 10 commandments to test our obedience. Israel tested God 10 times in the wilderness. That's in Numbers 14:22. Tested God 10 times. How many times was Jacob's heart tested when his father's father-in-law changed his wages? It was 10 times. His heart was tested. How many times how many days was Daniel tested in chapter 1 in Daniel? It was 10 times. In the New Testament, 10 virgins in Jesus' parable. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 10, 10 days of your testing. So it's, you look at the word test and look at the word testing. God uses it interchangeably because 10 represents testing. And that's why 10% is a test of our heart. I'm telling you, I believe that with all my heart. When I'm, when I'm sharing this message, I'm preparing this message, I'm saying, God, I just want to preach on revival. I just want to preach on God, Holy Spirit, calm, Holy Spirit. And God says, this is about revival. This is about bringing God's revival to us. Everyday life. Because we don't put God first in every area of our life. How are we supposed to have revival? Please hear my heart. If you'd heard of the outpouring in Pensacola in the 1990s, I think it was, a massive outpouring. Of, 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 they, they've had meetings three or four years ongoing every single night. They, they, there's a couple of things that they, they did as a church. One of them that 90% of their people were tithing and offering. 90%. It's a high level. And they started their Sunday night, uh, there was a prayer meeting. They turned their Sunday night into a prayer meeting. Prayer and their hearts belonged to God. And God moved and brought revival to, to that city and to the nations. So I'm reading from verse 11 now. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? So God's saying the way you handle money and the, and the material things of this world 
will determine if I can trust you with spiritual treasure of the spiritual world of God's kingdom. And if you've been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should, uh, why should you... Sorry, I read it wrong. And if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? Yeah, well, how does that mean? God calls the tithe... Um, his own. He actually says it's holy unto the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. Why does it belong to the Lord? Because he, uses a, he puts a purpose behind the tithe. And we'll talk about what the purpose of the tithe is. What's the pattern in the Bible? He puts the purpose behind the tithe. There's a certain purpose behind it. And he says it is holy to the Lord. In the scripture, Numbers 27. Holy unto the Lord. Set apart for me. And then he says when you bring the tithe, he didn't say give the tithe. You can give something that is yours. But he says, bring the tithe because God says it's his already. He already said in his word, it's his. So he says, bring the tithe to my storehouse. Now you've got to remember, please understand, I've been studying the Bible for 32 years. And when I first became a pastor at 28, 9, 29 years ago, I had to study this Bible and the tithing pattern and the offering because I needed to know what do I do with the money as a pastor. Now I'm leading a church. When I became a Christian, we gave tithes and offerings straight away. They told me what to do. They said, this is what the Bible says. Oh, I didn't question it. Is that what the Bible says? Okay, the Bible says that. And we just, we just every, every increase I received, we tithed and offered to the church I was going to. And then I had to understand what's the pattern. I, I studied every single scripture in the Old Testament, New Testament, on tithing and offering. And I saw that God uses it to basically, in a nutshell, He takes that money and, and blesses, spends it back on our spiritual well-being, mental well-being, physical well-being, being. He actually spends it back on you. He said, how does he do that? How do you mean he spends it back on us? It's his way of supporting the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, I haven't got time to go through every single scripture, but the Levitical priesthood were priests that served the house of God, the tent of God, the tabernacle where they met. They worshipped. All the musicians were Levitical priests. They were not allowed to have land. When they got inheritance of the promised land, all the 11 other tribes got land and, and worked it agriculturally. They had to bring the 10% of all the increase. So they had 90% to live on, but they brought 10% of the harvest. And the Levitical priesthood, there were thousands of them, lived off the 10% of everyone else's hard work of the thing. That doesn't mean the Levitical priesthood didn't work. They concentrated on the house of God. They were musicians. They were worshippers. They had to study the Bible. They had to teach the Word. So it was God's way of... Training them up in the ways of God, teaching them the word, preaching the word. So in our context, the Levitical priesthood, in our context would be that as we all bring our tithes and offerings to the storehouse, the book of Malachi says that there may be food in my house. Is he talking about physical food? In those days, yes, but now he's talking about spiritual food. So that we as pastors, if we're on staff like working uh, and getting paid a, a wage, we have time to study, read the Word, meditate the Word, get in the Word, search it out, uh, pray, fast, or do all the things that we do so we can deliver the Word to equip us in life. So that you actually get equipped. It doesn't mean you don't study the Word. It's just saying that there's people that are dedicated to take care of the house of God, and then we are able to grow in our spirituality, grow in our faith with God, grow. And that, that goes with youth, like Leon's on staff. He's on our pastoral team, but he runs the youth. So your teenagers are blessed when they grow up in the house of God. Your children, we just saw the children here. We have uh, Annette's on one day uh, a week on staff. We'd love to be able to pay her full time. 
We will eventually. We're trusting and believing God that will happen. But imagine your children, people that are dedicated to serve God and to lead a ministry that's going to help our children. We can go on and on and on. I'm just trying to help us see this is what God does with our money. right? The fact that we've got this building because of people's generosity, tithing, and offering. Does that make sense? He uses it for our spiritual well-being. All right? I understand. Please hit my heart. I know you, some of you have come from other churches and have come from other places and you've, you've been Christians from other churches and you might, might have seen the wrong model, might have seen the wrong pattern. You might have seen people abuse money and abuse you and maybe you were abused and you felt ripped off. You, like, you don't throw, you don't throw the, the baby with the bathwater out. If there's counterfeit out there, it doesn't mean God doesn't have a real. God does have a real way of doing it. So, you, you know, I, I usually say to people, and I'll say this early, is if you don't trust us delivering the word and preaching the word and teaching the word to help you grow in your faith and relationship and love for God, uh, if you don't trust us uh, to, to, with your finances, for example, then you shouldn't be sitting under our ministry and receiving week in, week out. If you don't trust us in that area, why would you trust us in that area? To feed you the word. If you trust him to feed the word, you should trust us with finances. Does that make sense? All right. Please hear my heart and hear what we're saying and what not, what not, what not, what, what we're not saying. Thank you. What we're not saying. It is impossible for a person to serve two masters. I mean, this is where Jesus is using this example. He says, I'll read it again. If you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, God owns the tithe. If we're not faithful with that, why should you be given wealth of your own. It's another man's wealth. This actually belongs to God. It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You'll be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other one will have your loyal devotion. It is no difference with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one and definitely reject the other. You can't love two masters. Jesus is saying God can become, I mean, money could become a master. If you choose to love God, then God, money won't be your master. Money is a very bad master, but an excellent servant can serve you well. It's designed to serve you, not you serve money. The moment you make money your, uh, your God and you serve it, then God is not the one that you're going to love. You can't love to. That's what God says. When you love God with all your heart, money is not an issue. It really isn't. You actually trust God. In these areas. Exodus chapter 13 verse 2 says, Jesus is what the word of God says. This is what God says to the people of Israel. Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belong to me, whether human or male. God's putting a pattern in place. He says, give to me every offspring that is clean. So if a, a lamb is born, the first one is supposed to be sacrificed to the Lord. And why the first one? Why is the first one important to God? Why didn't God say, wait till you have 10. When you've got 10, give me one of them. It takes faith to give the first one. You finally, you worked hard and, and finally uh, you got a lamb. Now you don't know if they're going to have more babies. You're going to have more lambs. You give the very first one to God. It's saying, God, you're my provider. God, you're, my, you're the one that's going to provide my need. I trust you. And so with a firstborn male, human, you're supposed to redeem that human, by sacrificing an animal for redeeming that. Now, God's putting a pattern in place. Why would you sacrifice an animal to redeem? It says, if you have a donkey, it says, um, sacrifice a lamb to clean the donkey, because the donkey is an unclean animal. 
God doesn't want an unclean animal. So if it's an unclean, any unclean animals, you're supposed to get a lamb, sacrifice a lamb to clean the donkey. If you don't sacrifice the lamb to clean it, then chop the donkey's, uh, break its neck, sorry. So in other words, if you don't give the lamb for the, the unclean animal, you're going to lose it anyway. The tithe, because it belongs to God, if you don't bring it to God, the Bible actually teaches you'll end up losing it. Because when you do bring it to God, He rebukes the devourer for you. Does that make sense? Think about God's on your side. He's covenanted with you. He's in partnership with you. You've trusted me. You brought the first 10% to me for the sake of my kingdom, for the sake of the gospel of the kingdom and the house of God, which represents the preaching of the gospel. So think about it. People are lost. They're lost. And God says, I will, I will, I will, build, up a, I will build up a pattern in the, my, my kingdom so that the, this gospel will go forward with finances. Like You need finances to preach the gospel. I've never been able to ring anyone up and say, I'm going to go to India to preach the gospel. Can I fly for free, please? It doesn't work. I mean, it's obviously, be very, very irrelevant. Not irrelevant. Um, rev, when you're... That's a, irreverent. Disrespectful is another word. Disrespectful to try to even do that. And you're not representing the kingdom well when you try, if you ever try to do that. In other words, you still need money to preach the gospel. You need... We, God, God knows that. And he says, I'll put something in place as a pattern that'll always... I'm telling you, when you do this the right way, I believe with all my heart, this is God's pattern, this is God's way, there will be always more than enough to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the nations of the world. We're not here only to take care of our needs. I know I brought us up to, for us to understand, okay, God does spend it on us. He actually, he actually thinks of the nations. He thinks of the, the stuff we do through radio, through TV, through going to a nation, to preaching the gospel into India or other places that we're planning to go to the Philippines. There's different places that we can go and be a blessing. God wants the gospel preached because people are lost without Jesus. No matter what the world says, the Bible says, Unless you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are lost in our sins. That's a message of salvation. And this is how I believe God puts it in place. You think, what, what's, what, why the firstborn? Like, why does God say, give to me the first? In the Old Testament, sometimes they would, they would give the blind, um, they would give the sick, the, the lambs that are all sort of watered and, and all warts and blemished and snotty nose and sick and half could walk. And we go, oh, let's give that one to God. And, and because there's no benefit to us, let's give it to God. God says, I don't want your blind. I don't want your sick. I don't want, actually says, I want your best. God is a God that he can't handle uh, second best. So the reason why the tithe, we should first bring it to God, not after we've paid all the bills and paid all the mortgage, paid the visa, paid the groceries, paid everything. And if there's anything left over, then we'll give it to God. That's not the tithe. Tithe means first fruits. The first part, because you're saying, God, I honor you and I trust you and I bring it to you first. I believe when we do that in faith, that's the trigger that releases the blessing. Faith. Think about Jesus. Jesus was sinless, wasn't he? He was the clean, wasn't he? We were all born in sin, weren't we? The Bible says very clearly we're all born in spiritual death. We're all born in sin. We're the unclean. Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Jesus, is God's firstborn, was sacrificed to clean everyone else. God tithed Jesus to clean us. 
Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was the firstborn. Why is he the firstborn? Because we're also born from the dead. So we're God's second born, third born, 50,000 million, billion born. We're born from the dead as well. But God had to give Jesus. That's why he was putting those things in place. The lamb sacrifice, blood on the doorpost would mean that the angel of death wouldn't kill their firstborn. They had to sacrifice a lamb to clean. Why? As an act of faith. It costs money to sacrifice a lamb. Well, how can we have to do this? God said it. So it's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's trusting God's pattern, trusting God's way that he takes care of us. And when he puts a pattern in the Old Testament, he does it himself. I do believe, you might think, what did you say that for about God being, Jesus being God's type? I believe God sacrificed the firstborn who was holy. The holy for the unholy. There's a scripture in um, the New Testament that says, if the lump, if the first fruit is holy, the whole lump is holy too. So if, when, when the first fruit is holy, it sanctifies the rest. That's why when Jesus was holy and he was sacrificed, it sanctified everyone else that puts their faith in Jesus. So when you bring the tithe, that's the first fruits. You bring to God and you give it to God, then everything else that's left over, 90% is sanctified, set apart, and more anointed than the 100%. I believe that with all my heart. I've seen it, not just in our life. We've, we've been married for 28 years or so, and I've been a Christian for 32 years. We've always tithed and offered. We're not worse for it. We're way better for it. Way better. Our children, we taught them. They're better for it. I don't, I haven't, like, think about it. That, that means 90% is doing better than what 100% would do. Because in the natural, it doesn't make sense. In the natural, you're saying, hang on, surely I'll be better off with 100%. Not when you... When, not when God sets it apart and says, this is for the purpose. This is what I do with it. So when you honor me, I will anoint the 90 way bigger than the 100. The 100% you would have had. I've seen it. I've seen people struggle. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. I've seen people struggle when they tithe, try it, stop again. Try, try it, a few years later, stop again. Try, try for a few months, oh, it didn't work, and they stop again. I've seen the devourer have access. I'm just being very honest. Trying to be honest and vulnerable, but I've seen that. I, I want this to be a, a seal it in yourself, seal it in before you and God. You know what, God, this is what you ask of me? This is what I will do. And you watch the devour be rebuked. Now, obviously, it's a faith thing, hey? And when you've committed to God's word because it's God's word, you'll be committed to God's word in other areas the same way. So it's not a magical thing by itself fixing everything. Does that make sense? When you do tithe, you still got to have other things in place. If you tithe and think that magically it's going to fix my life and you're living in sin and you're living in selfishness and you're living in greed, and you, that's not going to fix it. We're talking about a life that's surrendered to God. Okay. The same with, I've seen people that tithe and yet they, they spend way more than their income was. So, you know what I mean? And it doesn't, doesn't help them. God teaches you the wisdom that you have to spend within your means. Does that make sense? All right. All right. Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with all your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. You know, Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, the, you know the city of Jericho? God says, Every silver, every gold in it, it's the first city, take it. You're not supposed to use any of it for yourself and give it to the sanctuary of the Lord. It's for the house of God. Why is that one for the house of God? Because it was the first city. 
It was the first fruit of the promised land. Achan, I think it was Achan or something like that. Anyway, he took he took some silver and he took a nice a nice coat that he thought, wow, this is really nice, like Armani stuff. He took it for himself, and they didn't and and there was sin in the camp, and they they lost the next battle. They found out what what happened, and they had to they got all of it that he stolen and gave it to the sanctuary. The first city was dedicated, set apart for God. It's the pattern of the first fruit. All the other cities are allowed to take the silver and gold. Does that make sense? It's throughout the whole Bible. We know Malachi chapter 3 talks about that um, in, in bring, the, bring, bring the whole tithe, bring the whole offering. And they didn't do it and God says, you robbed me. Actually uses that language. You can't even rob God if he, if he thinks that belongs to him. Does that make sense? He calls it his, it belongs to him. If I was to show you in the Bible that Jesus spoke about this, would you believe me? So if, if Jesus said it himself, would you do it? If, if, let me say it this way, if Jesus walked into this room and said you should tithe, would you do it? Yes. Now really, would you do it? If you're following Jesus, he's your Lord, would you go, okay, God, if that's your pattern, that's what you say. In, in Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus is talking about tithing. Look what he says in verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Pretty strong words, don't you think? For you pay tithe of mint, of anise, and cumin. They're all herbs. You're so religious about it, you're tithing the herbs and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now you're tithing, but you're not showing love and mercy, justice, mercy, and faith. Other translations say love. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He just told us we should tithe. No matter which way you look at it, Someone once said, yeah, but Leo, he was talking about you, you sh- these you ought to have done, like you should have done justice, mercy, and faith. I don't believe it's really saying that, but even if it was saying that, even if you're correct in thinking he was talking about justice, mercy, and faith, he still said without leaving the others undone. In other words, he's still saying, whichever way you look at that, whichever way you read that, he's saying you should be tithing, but don't forget to be merciful, gracious, or you should be merciful, faith, and justice, but don't forget to tithe. So Jesus, his own words, tells us we should do it. One of the biggest arguments that, um, that tells us in our brain and the level, devil lying to us and is, oh, no, but it's an Old Testament thing. We're under new covenant. We're under grace. We don't need to tithe. It's like saying, do I need to tithe to be saved? I mean, where does that come? Where's that, where does that question come from? Just think about it for a second. Do I need to tithe to be saved? I mean, that's a really weird question. It's like saying, do I need to, do I need to talk to my wife if I, if I get married? It's like saying, do I need to pray to be saved? Why would you ask that question? Do I need to pray to God, communicate with God to be saved? It's like me saying, do I need to talk to my wife to be married? It's, it's a response of faith. It's not, it's not an issue of, oh, um, I, I, why not I be saved if I, if I don't tithe? No, it's just something you do out of faith. It's, some, it's like prayer. It's like saying, people, people talk grace so wrongly to one extreme that they, people started saying, I don't have to pray, I don't have to serve. I don't have to go to Bible. I don't even have to go to church if I don't want to. I'm just free. Jesus died on the cross. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. And they've taken it to one extreme. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to serve. I don't have to pray. I mean, that's wrong teaching. Because it's asking the wrong question. Do I have to do this to be saved? It's asking the wrong question. 
that Jesus in Matthew 5, he talks about, you know, the law says they shall not commit adultery. I say to you, if you lust upon a woman with your eyes, then you've committed adultery in your heart. You, say, you know, the Old Testament says they shall not commit murder. I say to you, if you hate in your heart, you've committed murder. So what's he saying? The Old Testament says this, I'm bringing a higher standard. Uh, this is higher than the Old Testament. In other words, if you think New Testament Christianity, the grace teaching that we have in Christ, because it is, we're forgiven by grace, it's not a lower standard, it's a higher standard. You say, well, hang on, the adultery was from the Old Testament, so I'm under grace now, I don't have to worry about that, I can commit adultery. Would you say that? Or, I'm in a, I'm a, you know, Old, Testament, Old Testament says you shall not commit, uh, you should not steal. But I'm under grace. I don't have to do that. That's under law. So does that mean I can steal and get away with it? If I stole things, do you think there's consequences to it? Of course there is. If I commit adultery, there's consequences to committing adultery, even though you're under grace. Does that make sense? So if I'm stingy, greedy, selfish, don't want to give anything, there is consequences. You're living a lifestyle of that. Like what I'm trying to say, in the New Testament, there's still the truth of he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Or he who sows to his flesh will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. That's still in the New Testament. That's Paul's writings. So I'm not under grace. I'm not under curse. Yes, if you sow to the flesh, you'll be under a curse. You put yourself under the curse. We are blessed in Christ. But we've got to, we've got to connect to that blessing through obedience. The obedience doesn't get me to get blessed. It just makes me walk in it. Does that make sense? I just want you to really understand this because I, I believe this will set you free and help you. Yeah. Let me finish with this last example. Tithing is dearer to God than you think. And let me say it this way. Um, Leon's here. Let me get Josiah. Josiah, quickly. Uh, I, I just want to... Is Ethan around? Ethan? Can you come here? I'm getting my sons on purpose and Ezekiel. Because Leon's up here, so I won't, I won't use him. Um, now, 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 my sons are my sons. Imagine I'm going away for a long trip. I have to preach the gospel somewhere in India, or I don't know, or, or in the Middle East somewhere. I don't know. But I, I'm going to go, and, and I give all of these kids, and I say, listen to, you, listen to me, I'm going to give you all $10,000 each a month. But I want you to do something with it. They're all happy now. Uh, you can do anything you want to do with it, but uh, what I expect is give $1,000 to my wife every month. $1,000. In other words, tithe to my wife. Take care of my wife. I'm giving you $10,000 each. So after a couple of months, I'm ringing, I'm ringing Christine every day, FaceTiming her and just, oh, I miss you so much. And, and, and we just have an amazing romantic time. And I say, hey, how's everything going? How's, how's the boys going? They're my children. I've, I've trusted them with my money. And um, he goes, oh, look, Josiah's been so faithful every single month. He's been given $1,000. $1,000, just on clockwork, the first of the month, I mean, in meticulous, he just gives it to us. Now, look, God is not religious, but let me say this. He's, ac he's accurate. Yeah, he's changing. <laughs> he's smart. He's smart. God, God's, not God's not religious, but he's meticulous. Did you hear what I said? God's meticulous. God's accurate. It's the way He runs the universe. 
He's a mathematician. He's not religious, but he actually, like, yeah, yeah, look, I'm a very blessed man. I'm God, God's blessed me so much. I will give to God this amount of money every week. And it might be a generous amount, but it's not your tithe. You making your agreement with God. God is the one made agreement with you. You don't choose what is going to be a generous amount. It's all different contexts and different areas of the world. So if you go, well, I'm going to give God this much money every single week, and it might be generous to you, but God says, that's not your tithe. If I ask them, give a thousand every month, that's what I've asked them to do. So he, he, every first of the month, he does it. He's, he's quite, he's amazing like that. And when Ezekiel, I said to Ezekiel, hey, what about Ezekiel? Has he been giving? He, Ezekiel's amazing. He, he gives $2,000 every month. I said, really? Why $2,000? I don't know. I said, I've only asked him to give a thousand. I don't know. That's what he's doing. He, every month, he's giving $2,000. Wow. What about Ethan? <laughs> poor, poor Ethan. Not poor Ethan. He's, he's a blessed man. He, and I said, what about Ethan? Is he taking care of you? And my wife says, uh, Ethan, the first month gave $700. The second month he gave $500. The third month he gave $300. And now he's not giving anything. Now, how would I feel? Think about it. They're my children. I'm trusting them with my money to take care of my wife. What do you think I'll do? My bride. I would take from him and say, well, these guys have been taken care of her. I'll give that Oh, no, Jesus wouldn't do that. He's got a parable that says exactly that. Those that were unfaithful were being given. They took it from the one that was unfaithful and gave it to the one that was faithful. See, it's more personal to Jesus than you think. She's my bride. The church is Jesus' bride. He's saying, I put this pattern in place to take care of my bride. You are the bride. That's why I'm saying you're blessed by it. Like We're blessed. I'm telling you, we are blessed because of it. If we all choose to do our own thing, we're not going to be blessed the way God sees it. That's why I care about this so much, because I know this will bless you big time. Thanks, guys. You know, there'll be food in my house. Food in my house. God owns everything, but this is his pattern. I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you don't know any Christians that would go to a restaurant, sit down, have a beautiful meal, and then get up and skip the bill. Just get up and leave. Would you do that? Some Christians go to church, have a massive, beautiful spiritual feed, and just get up and leave. Now, now hear what I'm saying. Jesus says, freely you've received and freely you give. We are absolutely free to give the way we are. Like, like get, he says that, but he also teaches in the, the pattern in the Bible. He still puts something in place. You know, I, I, I'm going to finish with this story if I can. There was a doctor that was starting to be a... No, he, was already, he became a doctor six years. I mean, no. Oh going to think of another thought, another example but my, one of my friends doctor was studying for six years I was studying for the ministry at church in my other church everyone was calling me rumors that I'm a bludger my mom was saying Leah you need to get a job you need to get but mom I'm studying for the ministry I'm studying I was in the word all day long every day I wore bibles out I'm studying to prepare for the ministry I said one time God gave me wisdom he says you know that guy Majid his name was Majid I said you know Majid at church he's studying to be a doctor how come no one accuses him of being a bludger it's because everyone has faith that he's going to get a good job and get paid for it. Because no one has faith that God's kingdom can t- to provide for you. And my mom, she was a believer, so she actually received that and realized, okay. She used to ask me to get on the dial. I said, no, mom, I can't get on the dial because it's wrong for me while I'm studying. Now, I would have done it differently. I, would have, I did work some part-time jobs, but I would have provided for myself better because I did live off my mom. She's Italian and she's amazing. <laughs> I was young. I, I was naive, but... My heart was right. But this doctor says to me, 
So when you go to church, how do you, how do you live off it? And I said, oh, people give you know, offerings, they give donations, they give. And he goes, oh, okay. So you, you receive a wage from that, do you? He's like really descending, really condescending, big time. I said, yeah, yeah, we receive a wage from that. Oh, okay. Like really critical and condemning. I had no wisdom at that point. When I left, I knew his heart probably wasn't going to hear it anyway. But I thought about it. I thought, hang on a sec. He's a doctor. People come to him, receive his expertise. He doesn't do it for free. He gets paid. I could have said, oh, you get paid, do you? You actually receive a fee for that, do you? Oh. Now, hear what I'm saying. I love the way God puts this pattern together because anyone can come here. We would never charge him a fee. People can come to church for free. You can be here for free forever if you wanted to and still be ministered to. You know, if someone says, we need your time, we need marriage counseling, we don't go, oh, okay, we, we, this is how much our hours cost. Never would we ever lower ourselves for that. Never. That's the beauty of freely we receive, freely we give. But God puts His pattern in place so that we, you and I, not just me, you and I are able to do that. Amen? Can we pray? Father, we just thank You for Your Word. Father, we just pray that uh, we trust you, your pattern, your word, that we don't come up with the agreement. You have come up with this covenant, this agreement. You've said, put this in place so there'll be food in my house. And Lord, your house is not just this house. It's the kingdom of God. And Lord, we thank you that you've uh, put this wisdom in place, this wise pattern that's in place. And we as your children, we make a, a decision to say yes, Father. And not trying it, Lord. We trust you. We'll do this for the rest of our lives until you come back, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. Just make a decision in your heart, if you haven't already, that all the increase that God blesses you with, you bring to the house of God. We honor you for that, Father. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen and Amen. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.